When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Gold Standard production. If you are watching on the YouTube stream, you are as happy as I am. Because joining me today, the godfather of 49ers podcast, dare I say, Oscar Aparicio is here from Better Rivals. What's up, Oscar? Oh, man, nothing much. Just, you know, living the the retirement dream. Just kind of hanging out, doing yard work. I was making chicken stock, you know, watching Masterclass. I got all this time on my hands now. It's great. Sounds like a hell of a... Well, I was going to say Saturday, but it's not a Saturday. It's a Monday. <laughs> yeah, I have uh, I have the day off from my regular job. So it's basically like a day off for me, which is great. Okay. So lots of stuff I want to get into with you. Um, but I wanted to have you on because I feel like you are sort of above the madness, let's call it, of 49ers Twitter and just 49ers fandom. Um, just a general question, because for some reason, <laughs> Grant Cohn, <laughs> there seems to be a lot of Kyle Shanahan criticism right now. Just big picture. What is your take on Kyle Shanahan as 49ers head coach? He's wonderful. He's one of the best head coaches in the league, I think. And he, you know, he by no means does that mean that he's perfect and he does everything right. I think what does he do exceptionally well? He's a fantastic play caller. He's an offensive designer. Um, he, You can effectively guarantee you're going to have a top 10 offense with Kyle Shanahan as long as you have competent quarterback play. Um, you don't even need stellar quarterback play. You just need competent quarterback play. And that's good. There's a lot of teams who would love to have a top 10 offense. Um, I think he's also a fantastic identifier of talent. We've had a stream of defensive coaches and turnover along the defensive side. And yet there's really been no drop off. He's always seemed to find really good people and, and replicate the thing that is 49ers football. Now, would I love better fourth down decision making? Sure. Would I love a bit more aggressiveness uh, when it comes to some play calling and some aspects of it? Absolutely. But uh, that I think you, when you take the whole of the coach, uh, I, I don't think there's you know five better coaches in the NFL right now. I totally agree with you. Just because he doesn't do everything the way you might want doesn't make him a bad coach. You said something that I wanted to touch on because I've praised Kyle for replenishing the coaching staff year after year because I think it's an underrated part of a head coach's job. Totally agree. He's been able to do it consistently. Uh, One of my patrons, actually, Paula, wanted me to ask you about this. How much credit do you give Kyle for that? And how much do you think the... um, shuffle especially last season affected them early in the year i do think that you you have to give kyle a ton of credit for it because he's the person who's recruiting the coaches to his coaching staff in in the nfl it's usually the head coach's purview to do that when you get interviewed you have this book and this book is kind of like your interview what would i do and Mm -hmm. in that book part of it is your coaches we think back uh you know i know a lot of managed fans have excluded this from their memory but to the tom sula years and you think of the coaches that Tom Sula brought with him. It was not an all-star 
group of coaches. I mean, his quarterback's coach was on the radio, uh, effectively doing what, you know, you and I did for a while. And, and then he's coaching quarterbacks, right? His, his innovation to the rollout pass. I remember when we studied one of his coaching tapes was like the jump pass. It was like, you got a jump pass if you're on a rollout. And it's just like, okay, this is, this is what we're going with. But that's, <laughs> that's, but that's because that's what Tom Sula could bring. He had coached with them before in the world league. And that's, you know, that's who he identified. Shanahan identifies much higher level of talent. And so I do absolutely put it on his shoulders. I mean, he had the initial defensive coordinator with Robert Sala, who he took a chance on. You got D'Amico Ryans, who everyone knew from the get-go he was likely going to be a head coach, and he rose the ranks through uh, the 49ers system. And so I, I do think you put that a lot on Kyle, and it's one of the things he does really well. And how much do you think that all the turnover last year, basically the entire offensive staff was either new or doing new jobs how much do you think that affected them behind the scenes? Because Chris Forrester said it took them a while to sort of get their ducks in a row. Yeah, I'm sure it affected them a little bit, but I think this is one of the benefits of, of having the head coach be the play caller and the chief architect of the offense is that you have that, that thing that is sustained. You don't have turnover at that position. I think what probably hurt them more than anything was less the turnover at staff, and it was the turnover at quarterback. Um, and having a quarterback who's your backup that you weren't expecting to be there and now all of a sudden he is, he's got to get back into game shape. He's a little bit rusty in, in terms of Jimmy Garoppolo after Trey Lance goes down. Um, you know, that in a monsoon was probably more affecting what happened on <laughs> offense than necessarily the coaching turnover. I agree with you. I think that the monsoon like warped people's perceptions of a lot of things. Trey Lance, Kyle Shanahan, all that stuff. Um, but you can't talk 49ers quarterbacks last year without talking about Brock Purdy. We're struggling, I think, as a fan base to attribute the success of the offense in the second half of the year. Was it Brock? Was it Kyle? Was it Christian McCaffrey? Because for as much as people want to say Kyle Shanahan is a genius, and he is a genius, I agree, they were averaging 19 points a game before Christian McCaffrey got there. Yeah, I think that the answer is yes. It's all of those things. It's, it's not, I, I think it's really, I, we, we, we want to, and we lust as fans after that one explanation. It was this one thing. It was this one moment, right? Even in 49ers lore, you have Joe Montana saying, Hey, is that John Candy in the stands? Right. It's like you, mm -hmm. everyone wants those moments that just explains it all. And I think football is just way more complex than that. I, I do think that when we look at, well, when Brock Purdy joined the team, well, so did Christian McCaffrey and what you can do with Christian McCaffrey absolutely changes the offense. I mean, there, there's a play um, that they ran, I think, against Seattle in the playoffs where they basically go from like a, a three by one to a two by two to a three by one on the other side. And that one is Christian McCaffrey. And all of a sudden you're running like a quick what looks like an RPO dart to Christian McCaffrey because they have this huge bubble and this huge space to the end man on the line of scrimmage. And it's like you can't do that with a lot of backs. You don't have a lot of backs that run routes as good as wide receivers um and so yeah i think it absolutely has to do with christian mccaffrey i also think there is a certain mesh of play calling and coach between brock purdy and and shanahan that's happening that you have with any good marriage of system quarterback and, and head like play caller um i think that's part of it too um so i think all those things get together you mix it up in a bag and you have a pretty potent offense what do you mean by that that's interesting what do you mean by the kyle brock kind of match yeah, so I think it's it's and and this is less like quantitative. It's it's kind of hard to see on the film, so I can't like point to a couple plays where this is happening, right? But some of the little nuggets that you hear come out of 49er land, especially early on, was it just it, like Brock gets the offense. He's able to do what Kyle wants him to on the field. And then in the moments in which he doesn't, 
he's successful at it. So he's able to get some more leash from Kyle. Um, Kyle, I think, is is a control freak. He says, I know where the answers are. I am going to call the play. You run the damn play the way that I want it. Um, but there's something that Chris Brown, um, Smart Football on Twitter, mentions. And he's like, when you're an offensive play caller, you want someone to run the pretty pictures on the paper that you draw, that you spend a lot of time drawing up. When you're a head coach, you want someone who's going to win. And, and I think that that Brock has done enough of those out of structure things that has made Kyle go like, okay, I can kind of trust you when things break down. So even if you don't do the pretty picture on the, on the page, like you're going to do things that I know are kind of successful. Um, and, and that's just, again, there's, that's just my thought and opinion that I don't have like a hard thing or a source or anything that's going to give you that. Um, but I do think you hear little nuggets about how Brock kind of gets what Kyle's trying to do within the offense. And, and that is why they trust him as the leader and say he's the number one, even though Trey Lance is, is here. You have a more generous view of Kyle in that area than I do. I think Kyle hates it. I think Kyle hates when Brock goes off script, even when it works. That touchdown pass he threw to Kittle against the Raiders in the back of the end zone. Kyle is mad because he missed Juwan Jennings on and out on the other side of the field. I don't think Kyle likes it at all. He can say that he does. I really don't think he does. I think Kyle thinks you never have to go off script in my system because it's that good. There's always an answer there. And I think it bugs him. And they're already telling Brock, hey, you went off script too much last year. Stick to what we tell you. Yeah, and I think this is when I say the marriage between play caller and and player, I think, is super important because when Brock, if Brock is able to sustain the level of play that he had, right? And we don't know that he will. We know that, you know, we've seen lots of examples of players having really good five, six, seven game samples, and then they just never get back to that. The number one assumption I think that most people make is that 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 kind of growth and progression is linear. And that if you were here your rookie year, you're never going to dip below that floor. That's just simply not true, right? So we hope that he can continue this trajectory. We do. Um, but it, And if he can, then I think he's going to be the player who's going to be able to look at, at Shanahan and be like, I get it, but no. And, and that kind of marriage, that thing is, I think, really important. Because I think Mahomes has that with, with Andy Reid. I think Steve Young had it with Shanahan, uh, you know, the elder Shanahan. Um, and, and I do think that that requires just a working relationship that makes sense. And that's what I think Kyle needs to really start to build with a quarterback so that he can, you know, be a better version of himself as well. That is an interesting kind of aspect that I haven't really thought of is that while he that may drive him nuts, he may get used to it if you like you said. There is examples of trust that have built up. He's never really had the ability to build up trust with anybody because the only quarterback that's been here for an extended amount of time is Jimmy Garoppolo, and he did not earn that trust. Many, many yeah. times he failed to and earn there's, that trust. There's, a, there's something there in that relationship between Jimmy and Kyle, right? Well, they, they like each other. They work together. But it was almost like, you know, you hear Jimmy Garoppolo say like, that. look, I'm just doing what I'm coached. I'm just making the plays that I'm coached to make, or I'm, you know, these, this is what I was coached to do. Like, he kind of throws those little barbs in there, doesn't text anyone back, leaves them on red forever. Like, I get the sense that that was just like, it was a working relationship, but it was a good working relationship, but it was very much a working relationship. I think that, you know, uh, Kyle's looking for his forever, uh, his forever player, his forever work husband. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're going to figure it out here, hopefully in the next year or two. So then let me ask you, Brock Purdy, do you believe that Brock Purdy can be, if not the exact same player that he was last year, something resembling that for his NFL career? Yeah, you know, I, I think that uh, belief is probably not where I would put it. I would put it at like cautious optimism. 
Um, because I know that you, we've, I mean, we saw, we have to remember what it was like when Jimmy Garoppolo came in those five games in the game against Jacksonville. And he's just making plays off script and he's throwing darts in there. And he was one of the most accurate in terms of ball location quarterbacks in the NFL under pressure stats were great. And then that, like, that was peak, that was peak Jimmy. Um, and some of those elements were still there, but it, it wasn't quite to that level. Um, I, I, you know, I, we've done this long enough to know that that's not necessarily a guarantee. Like Brock could, you know, the injury may hamper him. You know, the defenses may catch up in a way. Um, the things that you start to see on tape right now with him not, you know, like him trying to manipulate with his eyes and not get underneath linebackers and cover one, which seems to be a problem for 49ers quarterbacks. It was the same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like that might continue. Um, but you look at what he can do well. And I think that what he can do well is you can replicate that within this system. Like he, you can do and repeat the things that he did um, and, and continue this level of play. So cautious optimism is where I'm at. Um, but boy, do I still want to see Trey Lance for a few games at least to see if that cautious optimism goes out the window. Okay, see, you're not totally above us, Oscar. There's a little bit of no. unit down there with us. Man, so here's the thing. Like, I mean, look, we started the pod because I was a fan, right? It's like, let's talk about it from a fan perspective. I absolutely still am a fan. You see the Steve Young jersey behind me and the Jerry Rice jersey over there and my freaking Niner hat and my Joe Montana shirt. Like, nice. I'm a fan. I'm a fan first and foremost. And they spent the third overall pick on Trey. He's talented. He really is. Um, we, we've talked a lot on the pod about, you know, how his accuracy issues and his processing, like, it really is its accuracy issues really need to get corrected. But I think... Like you got to hopefully they're in a situation where they can give him a shot. Hopefully he earns a shot for a game or two or three. Um, but I think that it's still, you know, the team obviously has some level and degree of trust in Brock and I get it. I understand it. I understand why they do it. So while I hope they give Trey a shot, absolutely. Will I understand if they don't? I think so too, but um, you know, we'll see. With Trey Lance, the weird thing about it for me is that there are some 49er fans, maybe they're not all 49er fans, but there's a lot of fans that are sure they know that he stinks, he can't play, it's terrible, waste of a pick, yada, yada, yada. How long do you need to see a quarterback play before you feel like, okay, I know what this person is, good, bad, or otherwise? You know, I don't know for sure because I think it depends on the like the unique texture of what they're showing on tape. Um, what I can tell you is that Trey Lance, to me, has not shown or had enough NFL experience to know whether or not he is going to be good, bad, or other. Um, I can pretty sure about Sam Darnold though. Um, so okay. <laughs> we've had a lot of we've had a lot of snaps there. Like I feel like once you've had a, a thousand snaps in your NFL career. Um, what you did in college is like, it's probably not that big of a deal. Um, but, but I do think that it, it's still a little early for Trey and, and the benefit for the Niners is that they don't have to make a decision right now. They're two rookie deal quarterbacks. You probably get one more year with Trey. Um, you have, you know, another two, at least years with Brock before you have to think about extension. Cause he's only going to be on a four year deal as opposed to that fifth year option. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you can take another year to figure it out. Um, and, and who knows? I mean, the way the Niners have been going quarterback wise about week nine, Trey Lance is going to have, you know, four or five games that he's going to have to play in because, you know, quarterback's going to get injured or there's like a sprained knee or something like that. So I don't think they have to choose right this second. And that's fine. That's good. It's not costing them a lot of money. They can go overspend on all the fullbacks and kickers and punters they want. Um, <laughs> and, and they can, and they can do that because they've got rookie deal quarterbacks. It's the most valuable contract in football. That's the tempting thing with Brock is that not only is it, 
an attractive contract. It is literally the most attractive contract you can get from a drafted player. Yeah. He was dead yeah. last. So I do wonder if the Niners are like too eager to take advantage of that. Because my big thing with Kyle is that he's only looking for good enough at quarterback. He never looks for great. He just wants a guy that's tall enough to ride the bumper cars. Give me a minimum level of performance and I can get us wherever we need to go because my system is good enough. And that's what I'm worried about with Brock is they're like, does he meet that minimum? Yep. Okay, great. Now we've got this cheap contract. We can build up the rest of the roster, yada, yada, yada. And I feel like that is not how you win Super Bowls. You need a great quarterback, not just a good enough quarterback. Yeah, I, I think that I, I, I disagree with the idea that Kyle doesn't want a great quarterback. I think he's just had trouble finding one. Your likelihood of getting a great quarterback is, is relatively small. I mean, like right now we're talking about like Mahomes and like there may be even some debate about whether Josh Allen is great or whether he is just really, really good. I think the Mike Sando from The Athletic has his quarterback tiers, and I think that's a really instructive kind of ranking. And I think Mahomes is like a clear tier one. Allen may be in there, but like there's not. I mean, and, and Rodgers, but, you know, at this point, you know, ayahuasca, you know, may hold the ceiling down. Um, but I, I think that it's really it's just tough to find elite quarterbacks. And, and so I think his issue is not that he doesn't want it. His issue is just that he hasn't been able to find one and, and maybe his quarterback eval, you know, what they're looking for may you know have something to do with that. But I think he wants one. Absolutely. Um, but I think the fact that he can get as far as he has with the quarterbacks he has just proves that, that he, that he is, is, is very, very good at what he does. Um, so I wouldn't look at it as a bug. It's more of a feature. But like you say that, and I look back at 2017, and he doesn't scout Patrick Mahomes by his own admission, doesn't scout Patrick Mahomes because he wanted Kirk Cousins. He didn't even, he wasn't looking for a great quarterback. He wasn't saying, Hey, we've got a top three pick in the draft. Maybe if we look at one of these quarterbacks could be great. We could get one right off the bat. Nope. They had Kirk. Kirk was good enough. That's all he wanted. Right. Same thing with Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo in 2019. They could have had Brady. Nah. Well, we just got to the Super Bowl with Jimmy. He, that's good enough. You know, we, we can give it another shot. I just feel like he's not looking for great because he's had chances to get great and he hasn't taken them. Yeah, it, it's a little bit of like throwing a little bit of hindsight on Kyle because there were a lot of teams that passed on Patrick Mahomes. And if you look at like the how the Chiefs ended up getting Patrick Mahomes, it was people having to convince Andy Reid because there was someone in their personnel department who was like, this is the guy. But and he so, didn't pass on Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry to cut you off. Right. He didn't pass on Patrick Mahomes. He didn't even scout Patrick Mahomes. That's the difference. Right. It's one thing if you look at him and say, I don't think he's it. But Kyle has admitted that he didn't scout him properly. And that's the frustrating part. Sure. And, and it is frustrating for everyone. But I still think it's a bit of like revisionist history to say, like, we all knew Patrick was going to be great. I, there were a lot of people that didn't think he was going to be very good. And I think that what, what you might be seeing is not a distaste for good quarterback play. It's just assuredness in your plan. And he had a plan. He had a plan to build a roster and then go and get a quarterback that he knew could execute his offense at a high level. And that plan kind of went a little sideways when Garoppolo fell in his lap, but that's his plan. And so I think that what do we, what we know about Kyle is assuredness and clarity and vision and what he wants to do and how he wants to build the team. And I think you're looking at clarity of vision and mistaking that for a distaste for elite quarterback play. They've never executed a quarterback plan though, right? Cousins was the plan at first. Oh, Jimmy Garoppolo. 
Jimmy Garoppolo was the plan. And then they had Jimmy and guess what? He wasn't good enough. So then they tried to get Matt Stafford. That plan didn't come to fruition. Well, we'll get Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Oh, nope. Not good in 2021. We're pivoting off Trey Lance. We're going back to Jimmy Garoppolo. And then when Trey Lance was the plan and he got hurt, now the plan seems to be Brock Purdy. So they never actually execute one of these quarterback plans. Yeah, but that's in large part, like you look at Stafford, right? That wasn't for lack of trying, right? So you, you can't, I think it's difficult to say like, well, they're not trying to get an elite quarterback. And then the time that, that they do get a quarterback that would have been very good in this offense, like, well, they didn't execute their plan because they were thwarted by McVeigh being a better negotiator with Stafford, right? Like and you can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways, right? So I do think you still have a clarity of vision and what they want and what they're going after. And sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes they think they see it. And then it turns out that like, it doesn't work out, but They've still been able to sustain a really good offense. They still know what they're trying to get at. And they're hoping that they have in one of these two players. Um, I still think they're trying to execute a plan. I just think that it's a it's a better plan to try to do that than it is to find the unicorn because it's really difficult to find the unicorn. But that's your only job is to find the unicorn. Like, that's what they're all doing, you know? And I get that it's yeah. hard, but... And, and- and I think if that's the expectation that you have as a fan, then I think like maybe you got to rethink expectations, right? If you think that the only job that they have is to find Joe Montana, Steve Young, Patrick Mahomes, and that's the only thing that's going to be good, then like there's a lot of teams that are never going to have that. I would say probably 28 to, you know, like 29 teams are not going to have that. And if like, and if football is only fun because that's the only thing you're wanting and waiting for, then like, uh, it's, it's like, it's not going to be that fun, right? I think the fun stuff is like, what do they do with what they have? What's their plan? What are they trying to get after? It's pretty clear that what they have with Brock is, is going to be, it, it can be really cool. They have someone in Trey who's pretty talented. It's going to be fun to see where they land with that. Um, I think Brock has put some good things on tape. I think Trey needs more time to to roast, so to speak. Um, but, but yeah, but I think that that's like the job of an NFL uh, evaluator is like, you hope you can find the Patrick Mahomes, but it's very rare that you do. Well, I'm not saying football is not fun. Of course, it's fun, and and you have to do the best you can with what you have. But from my perspective, I, I continue to say it seems to me like he does not – getting that guy, that quarterback, is not the most important thing to him. And I don't think he values the position as much as he should in 2023. I really don't. Yeah, and that's okay. We can just disagree on it because I think that trading up a bunch of picks to go get Trey Lance is showing that you want to go get a guy that has preternatural talent. Is why you don't go for Mac Jones. I think you know but whether or not they get the, <laughs> whether or not they get the evaluation right is is a different thing, right? But they're trying, and so I feel like it's it's a little unfair to say like they're not executing their plan, they're not playing Trey, and it's like well they are. You just don't like the plan, and that's fine. You cannot like the plan. But they have a plan, and that plan is to go out and get who they think is going to help them win games and get a really talented football thrower who can run the ball, who can throw the ball. And then they know they got to cook that player, right? And it's like, yeah, they're a little conservative, but again, that's who they are. That's what they do. Um, But it's difficult to say they don't have a plan, they didn't execute their plan. When the plan is staring you in the face, you just may not like it. And that's okay. Like, it's okay to not like the plan, but they have a plan. They have plans. To me, they just never finish them. They pivot too quickly. Like, yeah, they traded up. They didn't trade up for Trey, though. They traded up for the number three spot, as they have said. They didn't have a player in mind. They just wanted a player, again, that I think would be good enough, whether it was Trey, whether it was Mac Jones. They just wanted that player, whoever they took at three, to meet that standard. And they ultimately decided that it was going to be Trey Lance. But then 
when they had Trey Lance, they didn't play him. They buried him. They put him on this friggin' scout team. So like, I see the, the, the thought process there, like trade up to get three, to get that guy that you think is really good, but they never even let it get off the ground. So how is that executing your plan? The, the plan for them is you got to bake the cake, right? The plan for them is you have a guy who's literally playing on a football field who, where that has a penguin in the middle of the field because you're playing with the Youngstown State Penguins, right? The, <laughs> like, and so you've got you've to actually get NFL snaps for this player, and, and they're thinking about year two, three, four, right? What they were trying to do is bridge two teams and bridge a team that was there to win now but then bridge into the future. There's a, I make the, I make the joke a lot that Trey Lance may be the Niners, James Wiseman and that they're trying to run. And at the time they were trying to run two timelines, right? Mm -hmm. And they were trying to have the old guard bridge to the new guard. And the old guard was going to be Jimmy Garoppolo and the new guard was going to be Trey Lance. And they were going to try to win Super Bowls all along the way. Um, and, and, and in the meantime, it turns out that like Wiseman could be really good, but maybe he just needs to play to do it. And he's not going to find that time here we might find the same thing with Trey Lance. It may be that he is going to be really good, but he needs to go on a team that is kind of crappy in order to play to do it. Um, and so, you know, who, who knows what that's going to, what that's going to be, but that they had, again, they had a plan They're they're trying to bake the cake. They executed that plan. It's just, you know, and I, and I too wasn't a huge fan of the plan, but it's a plan. It's a plan. Um, do you think that the Trey Lance package returns in 2023? Cause that's kind of my hope, right? If you thought that Trey, the best thing for Trey's development in 2021 was like put him on the field sort of with training wheels and, and let him get his feet wet and then we can eventually move on and he can take over full time. He hasn't really played since then. So do you think we could see the Trey Lance package again now that Jimmy Garoppolo is gone? I think we could, but I don't think that we will. I think that uh, that the players were not huge fans of that when it happened. Um, and I think that one of the things that Cal Shanahan does do well is he's really tuned into his locker room. He's really tuned into his leaders. And if George Kittle comes back and he's like, look, it kind of throws us off our rhythm and like the plays are a little different and you know, we're not huge fans of that. I think he's likely going to stay away. Um, so I don't know that we will, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. It'll be interesting. Nonetheless. Would you, what I, I probably would. Um, but I, I don't know that I would do it as a way to uh, like develop Trey. I would do it just because it's more for the defense to prep for. Um, it's, and, and you would say in and around the red zone, but honestly, that's one of the areas where Brock Purdy does really well. His off schedule plays in and around the red zone because of his like in the pocket quick twitch have been really good. Um, you know, he's found a couple of outlets uh, in, in the red zone a couple of times. I think, again, the, the Seattle game was one of his best games, um, Brock Purdy. And, and he found, you know, an outlet Christian McCaffrey, I think is a, um, oh no, it was Elijah Mitchell. Sorry. Uh, when he was like scrambling around and running around. And I mean, the drop pass from Ayuk in the corner of the end zone that like, I think that's probably one of the best throws of the season. And that was an insane touchdown. play. But, but that's, that's the kind of second reaction stuff that, that you would hope that like Jimmy Garoppolo never really had after his injury. And, and you would, and that's what I think Trey Lance would, would bring to you is it brings something else, but like, maybe, maybe you don't have to because of what Brock can do with that specific skill set. So I don't, I don't know. That is fair. I do think there is a fine line between taking your players sentiments into account and letting the players run things. Like if you think that the Trey Lance package was the best thing for the team, which clearly Kyle did in 2021, who cares if the players don't like it? You'll like it when we win. Like the Lance package was working. 
It worked against the Lions in week one when they tried it again against the Packers in week three. He had one play, ran it right in for a touchdown. That bugs me because I've heard the same thing. that The players went to Kyle and said, stop doing this. And that drives me crazy. Who cares if the players don't like it? What are they going to do? Refuse to run the plays? If it's good for the team, they should do it. Yeah, I think that that's... um... Uh, so I, I run team, like in my regular day job, I run a lot of teams and I think there's a certain degree of things that you can get away with that, that runs an opposition to your team, but it's, it's capital in order to do it. Right. When your team is telling you, Hey, we really don't like this thing. You've got to be like, how much capital am I going to burn here? And if we're going to say on one hand that Kyle is really good at managing and maintaining his locker room, and he is, I think it's one of his great skills as a coach. Then I think if his decision is like, yeah, I don't know if this is, if this is the hill I want to die on. Um, then, you know, it's like, we're going to give him a little bit of deference. I think in that regard, am I going to give him deference on fourth down decision-making? Absolutely not. Am I going to give him some deference on, on like managing the locker room and figuring out what works best from, from an offensive perspective? I think he's probably earned that a little bit. He does. He does maintain a good locker room, but it's also easy to maintain a good locker room. If you just do everything the players say. And and I don't think that he does that. I mean, I think that he is one of those players or he's a a leader and a coach that is able to dial in and get really close to his team so much so that he can be like, is, is this going to push them too far? Is this enough? Um, And, and so, yeah, I I think it's one of those things where at the end of the day, it is the team scoring points is the team in a good offensive spot. I think historically they have been and they continue to be. Um, And so I think, it's probably all right. I mean, we're talking about over 30 points a game over the last stretch of the season with CMC Brock um, and, and the rest of that offense. And I think now that Debo decided that he was going to have a good year again, uh, <laughs> then I, I think that can that can only improve, right? Like now you've got a full complement of receivers. Um, so it's going to, you know, I think it's one of those things where it's like, we, we want to sit here and say like, yeah, like, like I, I think the Trey Lance thing is going to be great. It's like, well, their offense is already pretty great as it is. But it wasn't at that point in 2021. They were struggling in 2021. That was why I was so frustrated with the whole thing. But I agree, down the stretch last year, yeah, you can't get much better than that. Your Debo line is interesting. It's funny because it's true. I mean, <laughs> is, it, is this just like an every other year thing with him that we have to expect? It's like the Giants, win, uh, the the San Francisco Giants winning World Series, right? It's like, you know, you got you to take a year off after a really heavy year. No, I mean, look, the... I, I can only imagine how much of a toll that that took on him, uh, you know, mentally and personally and stuff like that. So I get it. I understand that. Um, but but I do think it's good to see that he uh, recognized it, noticed it and and is now like, you know, committed to coming back because it looks like I mean, all the the camp or not camp, but like mini camp reports so far from Ioka that he is just roasting people left and right. And he's I've I've always been a big Ioka fan. I think he's a he's a really, really good receiver and probably underrated because of the offense that he plays in. Yes. Um, it's just a lot of mouths to feed and, and those mouths include running backs. Um, so, so I think that, that he's a really good receiver. I think you've got CMC, you've got now Debo who's reinvigorated. Like, I think it's going to be a, a heck of a year for, for that 49ers offense. Yeah. The Debo Samuel thing is very frustrating. And that goes to Kyle's credit though, right? Cause Debo wanted out. He requested a trade. He was done and the 49ers fixed it. And I don't think that that necessarily gets fixed without Kyle having that relationship with his players. So I do want to give him. Yeah credit for that um one of my issues with with shanahan is how he used debo last year i think his average depth of target was 4.4 yards he caught 27 passes almost half of his total receptions were behind the line of scrimmage why do you think that was and do you think that changes this year i don't know that debo's um 
I don't know that that Debo's evaluation and how he was used are not linked in some way. In my mind, if I'm a coach, if I'm looking at a player who is like is like is not all the way ready, but I've already pulled the "you're in my doghouse" camp like hard, which he did earlier in Debo's career, right? So you can't go back to that. Well, he's a highly paid, highly respected member of the locker room. You can't kind of treat him like a year one, year two player, right? And you're looking on tape, and you're like, man, he's like he's kind of loafing a couple of plays. Like I don't know that he can really like run, like yeah, you make him the outlet, you you, you give him a stop route. And, and you don't make him the primary route runner because you know that you've got to conserve him for the plays in which you really need him. So I don't know that those two things are operating in separate planes. I think it may be related in that Debo's having a bad year. And so now, like, I want to save him for the things that I know I'm going to call for him. So I'm probably going to have him run like an outlet route, a stop route. It's just like a little swing route here because I know that that's like, you know, that's probably better use for him right now based on where he's at. It was insanely frustrating because I've always said with Debo, like if the first tackle he has to break and he usually breaks the first tackle, if that's a DB, it's going to be a big play. If it's a linebacker or a defensive lineman, you're asking him to do a hell of a lot more. And that, you can't ask that of anybody, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's I, you know, again, I, I don't think that it's like uh, th there's a lot that goes into uh, who you call plays for in terms of just like where that person's at. One of the mm -hmm. things that that we did in scouting in the scouting academy, which is a Dan Hatman course that I took a couple of years back, is he always says like add context, add context to your scouting report. If someone had a bad game and it's you know one bad game out of four, like try to figure out why they had a bad game. Where were they injured? Was there a thing that like you know? And, and oftentimes you go to injury reports and you're like, oh, turns out they had an ankle injury, right? And it shows up as like probable ankle, but maybe it was more serious than than you thought, right? Um, and that's why I think that with Debo, I don't think Kyle was completely unglued to where he was at. Um, and so I think that it's probably like, it's a, it's kind of this self-fulfilling downward spiral almost where it's like not having a good year, maybe not super in shape. So you don't have him run a ton uh, of routes that are deep. You have him run short to preserve his energy for those high bursts that you need or you want out of him. And that, you know, you put all that together and that's the kind of season that you end up with. Do you think we'll see sort of deeper targets down the field this year, assuming that Debo is in better shape? Yeah, I, I think so. I think you'll see uh, deeper targets. I do think you run into like the the mouths to feed, you know, kind of issue a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. um, and it depends a little bit on, on you know, who Brock kind of meshes to, because we also know that quarterbacks have their preferred targets too. Um, but where Debo really made his living in his, his record year was in just like, in breaking intermediate dig routes, right, um, and and that and then some of the running back stuff, right. Uh, but but I think if he gets back to those intermediate dig routes, um, then that's that's where Debo begins to eat. Let's go to the other side of the ball now. You, as you said, context is important. You add a lot of context. We should add more context in all of our coverage. But I'm going to ask you a question that leaves very little room for context. Is Talano Hufanga good? Because I know he was first team All Pro. But I got to tell you, towards the back half of the year, he did not play like a first team all pro. Yeah, uh, I think so. The, the like the, the binary good bad thing is is tough, right? I think he does certain things well. And those things really work within the defense that he plays for the 49ers. In other words, what the team asks him to do, he's successful at. What's he good at? He's good around the line of scrimmage, especially on blitzes. And he's good at timing blitzes. That's right? unreal. It's really good. It's incredible, right? And and he is one of, I would argue, he's one of like the best, uh, maybe five players that really like timing the snap from a defensive back perspective and, and getting pressure on the quarterback. Um, and, and so I think he's really, really good there. He's good at playing down a hill when he can see what's in front of him. He's good at breaking on the ball, 
Uh, he's good at click and close, which is like the scouting term, which is like, I see it and I go get it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so he, and that's what the team asked him to do when he's playing D um, or when he's playing really in that quarters kind of system that, that the Niners like to play. Um, he's good at those things. That's why he had so many interceptions um, because he's good at recognizing what's in front of him, breaking on the ball and making a play on it. Now he misses too many tackles. Like he just does. Um, and, and that's a function of him being in position to make the tackles. Yes, but he still misses a lot of tackles and he's not like a really good man-to-man -man coverage player, right? He's that's just where his speed kind of fails him. But I think, you know, no, no player is, is, you know, the, if you want like the perfect player, right? Like the, those safeties are going to be really, really hard to find. You don't find them in the fifth round. Right. <laughs> um, so I think he is, he's good at the things the Niners defense asks him to do and they keep doing things and, and tuning him up in those ways. And so like in, in that regard, within the context of this system, yeah, I would say that he's like a solid starter. Um, and it depends on how you define good. But for me, that's like, that's good. And, and I think that he, the things that he does well are good enough to be a legit starting safety in the NFL for the 49ers. Do you think that he'll be better under Wilkes than he was under D'Amico just because Wilkes specialty seems to be the secondary? Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's also another question too, is like what coaching is the new defensive coordinator going to bring? Um, and also what are they going to ask him to do? The thing with Wilkes that he likes to do is he, you know, he brings pressure packages. Now he does have some safe pressures, right? He does have some kind of simulated pressures and, you know, only rushing four, but they come from weird places and, and playing sound coverage on the back end. But he also does like to, to have a lot of, you know, a fair bit of man-to-man, -man, right? If you're going to put Talano Hufanga in more man-to-man -man situations, he might not have as good of a season because yeah. that's one of the things he doesn't necessarily do well. Um, so I, I think this is where now you start to get into some of the three safety looks that you're going to start to get with a second round pick, you know, Jair Brown. Um, and so I think that might kind of cover some of those deficiencies up. Now you've got three safeties, but maybe Hufanga's around the line of scrimmage and he's rushing, right? So I think there's ways to really like play and call defenses to your players. And I think that Hufanga is good enough to be on, uh, you know, on an NFL defense. And yeah, I do think that um, within the context of this defense, what the team asks him to do, he's good. You just don't want him, you know, lining up, trying to cover Devontae Adams one-on-one. -on -one. No, definitely not. Uh, last question I want to ask you. Uh, last week I did a show where we were predicting the Niners sacks and who's going to lead the team in sacks and be second and third. My pick for third in sacks was Fred Warner. Because I think Wilkes is going to blitz the hell out of Fred Warner this year. Are you with me on that train? Uh, I don't know that he'll necessarily be third. Um, I mean, if he ends up, obviously Nick Bose is going to be number one, and he's going to be number one by a mile. Um, that's that's a fairly interesting question. I do think that he will get blitzed more. I do think Fred Warner is an underrated blitzer. I also think that he's one of the best middle of the field coverage defenders the Niners have. Yeah. And so it's going to be a balance of him, you know, because him basically turning around and finding the crosser. That's how you, that's how NFL, that's how NFL offenses crush defenses. I mean, you, you look at, I feel like we should just go back and watch that, that Niner Seattle game, that middle of the field crosser that, uh, that basically Shanahan kept spamming Seattle with over and over and over again. It broke their defense. It absolutely broke their defense. And you have their linebackers that are just like turning around and like looking like, I don't know where they're coming from, but they're coming from somewhere. And like, you know, the receivers over here and the linebackers over here. And it's like a 20 yard gain now. Yuck, right. That does not happen to Fred Warner. It, it just does not. He knows exactly where he needs to go. He gets depth. He is able to identify what's happening behind him. Like he's got eyes back there. And so it's like, yes, you do want to rush Fred Warner because he's a really good blitzer. But that takes him out of coverage. And so if I have to choose between sending him or Greenlaw, 
I might send Greenlaw. Greenlaw feels like he needs maybe like to get some of, you know, his, his, uh, you know, he needs to get something out of his body. It's like, do it on the way to the quarterback. <laughs> Let Fred Warner co cover. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is, it's crazy to take Fred Warner out of coverage, but I think he can, I agree with you. I think he can be a very good blitzer. He just wasn't yeah. asked to do it a ton. Neither was Greenlaw, by the way. Dre Greenlaw yeah. has two sacks in his entire career. Yeah, I mean Greenlaw really is like a like a to the flat coverage guy. Like the the last thing that you want to see is a, as a running back out in the flat uh, is getting a dump off pass with Greenlaw in coverage because that means you're gonna you're, you're gonna go to the bench here real quick because you need a breather. Um, so I, I, I you know I, I I don't think I'll say this your logic is sound it makes sense I could see Fred if at the end of the year you told me Fred Warner was third I'd be like yeah I get it I get it you're blitzing him a lot um, I do think that. It, 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 it's either Fred Warner or it's going to be like a defensive back or something like, like a safety that blitzes off the edge or something, or something weird like that, where you end up dropping it. Like it's where you're still rushing four, but one of those four is a defensive back. Um, and, and so, yeah, but yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. All right. So we don't disagree on everything. That makes me feel a little better. <laughs> and to you- be fair, I, I don't know that we were disagreeing necessarily on, on like whether or not they successfully found their, their quarterback unicorn. It's just a, like, for me, it's like, it's hard to do. So it's like, they haven't found it and that's fine. And like, I don't know that it's that he doesn't want it. Right. I guess that's the thing I was taking issue with is like assigning the want of good quarterback. And I don't think Shanahan doesn't want it, but I think he just had trouble finding it. That's all. Here's the thing. When you agree with me, I feel smart. So I want us to agree <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I totally get it. I totally get it. Here's uh, I thought, you know, let's let's find. All right, let me ask you. Let, let me ask you a couple of questions, and let's see if we can agree. Um, uh, first question: Brock Purdy, uh, and I'm going to try to hit all of the uh, all of the uh, the fan buttons here. Brock Purdy. I, I saw this headline. Brock Purdy is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Uh, I I don't know yet, but he's trending that way. He makes fewer uh, mistakes. That's why. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. I've seen uh, Brock Purdy throw the ball away. I've never seen Jimmy do that. Yeah. Jimmy does have a really, really, uh, he, he believes in his arm. <laughs> He's he got the believes in his arm. I'm burglar. He is. Yeah. His arm is, uh, you know, it's, he's got confidence in that noodle. He really does. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's good. It's good. I think. All right. What else you got for me? Um, so the, let's see, I'm trying to think of these on the fly. So normally I prep these, uh, these rapid fire questions, but okay. Uh, Elijah Mitchell will end up the third running back in terms of snaps and production at the end of the year. Yes. Thousand percent agree. If he's on the yeah. team at all, uh, I. Oh, so he, you're going even farther. He may not. He may not be. They can't through trade he, or through like he just gets released. Either one. I mean, he's he's missed more games than he's played in his career, and when he's on the field, he's great. But I just think the 49ers, you can't keep depending on guys that get hurt year after year. And like I said, he's missed more than he's played. And they have good running backs on the roster, I think. I think Jordan Mason could be very, very solid for this team. So, if yeah, I think if, if Mitchell's there, he's third for sure. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. If, if for no other reason than the man is made of glass. Like, he was already, I think, in like minicamp practice number two, he was already working on a side field. <laughs> what, what, what happened there? I don't know. Man. It's tough. I hate it too. Cause like his body is just failing him and he could be exceptional. Um, but I do think if anything, limiting his snaps yes. is going to be a, a good thing for him. And so I think you've got a bigger body with uh, Davis price and Davis price realized that like, Hey, maybe I need to do this whole special team thing in order to get some snaps. So 
I'm with you there. Um, all right. So the last one, and we'll stick with, with offense and Kyle here, uh, just because I feel like that's been the, the crux of the episode. Kyle Shanahan can win a Super Bowl, even if he doesn't find that great quarterback. Yes or no? That's the question, right? Um, yes. But I think it takes a very specific set of circumstances and a lot of that is outside of his control. And I, I, it's almost like you're building your team to be the exception rather than the rule, right? Sure, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl championship. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl championship, although I would argue that in that playoff run, Flacco played like an elite quarterback, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, there are circumstances that could exist, yes, where Kyle Shanahan wins a Super Bowl without that elite quarterback. But I think you're asking a lot for those. A lot of sevens got to come up on those dice for you to hit that. Yeah, I think he can too. No, I, th I think he can too. And, and I generally agree with you that, that it, w it is harder to win without. Um, but the, the way that I look at it is like, we have someone who can do that at head coach. And the fact that we are in a position, because this, this is the team that is built to win and he knows how to build a winner. We've got a great defense, great wide receivers. Think about the wide receivers we had before he got here, right? Um, I mean, it's like, it's just, it was, it was a dearth. Uh, or not, that's not even the right word. It's just an absence of wide receivers, right? Um, but I think the fact that we are set up so that if he does end up finding good quarterback play, that this is going to be a machine, yes. that's the thing that's the most exciting for me, is that we could win, and he makes a lot of things easy on his quarterback, on the offense, on the defense. We could win even if we don't find that great quarterback. But if he does find consistent above average quarterback play, this team is going to be unstoppable. And that is freaking exciting. And that's, I think, why I'm generally in the Shanahan camp. Because, yeah, he doesn't do everything right. He gets things wrong. Everyone gets things wrong. But he has set this team up to be a machine. And we can still win one even if we don't have that quarterback. But if we do, and it could be Brock, it could be Trey. Um, it's not going to be Sam Darnold. Uh, but it's, uh, I think this, I mean, it's already fun to watch. It's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be bonkers. And, that, and that's the thing that I'm looking for. And that's exciting. I am on board with that thought a hundred percent, especially in the United States. Well, let's end on a great We got there. Yes. Thank you so much, Oscar. You can follow Oscar on Twitter at better rivals and you should, he will make you a better, smarter football fan. I really appreciate it. Of course. It's always a pleasure to come on, man. We'll, we'll, we'll check in. We'll see how quarterbacks are going over the course of the year. Thanks, Oscar. Mm -hmm.